0: From out of the abyss and into your ear holes, it's time once again for the Mythwits, the show dedicated to all things geek pop culture, drenched in absurdity, and coded in sarcasm. Every week, we bring on an industry guest to talk about the ever-expanding Geekoverse. Ever-expanding Geekoverse, man, that is you, Ethan. We do our damnedest to be funny, but there are no guarantees. I'm your host, Peter Bryant, and joining me on this episode is my gravitationally challenged co-host, Mike Kafis. Oh, I'm expanding, all right.
1: <laughs> Not in a good way. <laughs> on this episode, we're talking with astrophysicist Ethan Siegel. That's right. It's my pleasure to be here. And just a reminder to everyone at home, if your waste is expanding, you can't blame it on the universe.
0: Right. Absolutely. Uh, Ethan? It, it- huh? I was going to say
2: it's relative. It's relative to the amount of cookies I eat is what it's relative to.
0: (laughs) So Ethan is a theoretical astrophysicist, author, blogger, and full-time science communicator. He spent many years as a full-time physics professor before devoting his career to sharing the story of all we know about the universe and how we know it with the general public. His books range from the origin of the universe to the real-life science behind Star Trek's technologies, and you can find him and his latest work at Starts With a Bang on Forbes, Medium, SoundCloud, and all over the social medias. Ethan, welcome back.
1: Man, it's my pleasure to be here, Peter and Mike. You guys keep it real on The Mythwits, and I am pleased to be back, and we are going to talk about all sorts of exciting things.
0: All right, hold on, time out. Mike, are we seeing uh, the live video? Because I'm having a thing.
2: Uh
1: Oh, I am. I'm not seeing it, actually. God damn it. It says fucking... we're off air in the right corner of my screen. <sighs> this, yeah, this, no. thing,
0: this thing is fucking killing me. This is killing me. So, oh, wait a minute. No no, this... no, 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 no. Oh. We're on. We're on. Okay, oh, right, we're on. Right. Oh. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. I, my preview. I'm not seeing it either. Facebook is being really weird. It just popped up.
2: It just popped up. So pay no attention to those cussings behind the curtain.
0: No, no. All right. Anyway. So, okay. Sorry. So we had a problem last week. It was really weird, but we're on track. Okay. fantastic. All right. So. uh, So, Ethan, you are you are returning. You're back. You have a new book um, coming out soon. Uh, But
1: I I wrote a new book. Yes. (laughs) You want me to tell you about it?
0: Yes. Yes. Let's do
1: that. We can start with that sure um you know one of the big questions that everyone always wants to know is where did it come from where did all of this come from where'd the whole universe come from and if you ask almost anyone they'll be like oh i know i was paying attention it's the big bang the universe came from the big bang and if it were 40 years ago if it were 1979 i would be like right on you nailed it you're exactly in line with modern scientific thought But the 80s and 90s and 2000s and 2010s happens and everyone's still like the Big Bang. And I'm like, what? Where have you been? We've been working on this. We've gone way beyond that. Where are you? And everyone is like, oh, he's being all speculative again. I'm like, no, no, we did all the things you're supposed to do with a scientific theory where we were like, hey, there's some puzzles with the Big Bang that we can't explain? What if we propose this new theory that could explain them? Hey, guess what? It would make these new predictions. Oh, look, well, we could go test these predictions. And we did. And what are the results? And holy crap, it looks like the Big Bang isn't everything and this new theory wins. And everyone's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, that's it. I need to write a book. So right. that's the book.
0: Hey, yeah, you know, hey. and I've seen this. I've seen this online. I've seen articles about this and I'm like, Wait a minute. What? Like <laughs> how's <It>, no? <laughs> Ethan, what
1: are you talking about? Right, yeah, yeah. yeah tell us exactly. Tell us about right? this. So what am I talking about? So imagine, right, this universe starting bang and expanding and cooling just like a good universe should do, right? Well, we see that universe today because when we look back distant objects in the universe because the speed of light is finite because it only travels at light speed when we look farther and farther away we're actually looking back in time we're seeing the universe as it was younger and when we look back and see the universe as it was younger we find that it was three things it was smaller it was hotter and it was denser So that tells you, oh, yeah, that would make sense. I heard about the expanding universe. So today, the universe is bigger and sparser and cooler because it expands. And as it expands, it cools. Right. The reason for that is wavelength. Right. Light is a wave. It has a wavelength. Wavelength of a fixed length is a certain temperature. That wavelength gets longer, which it does as the universe stretches and expands. That means it's cooler. So that means in the past, when the universe hasn't expanded as much, it was hotter. It was hotter, it was denser, it was more uniform, and we see it evolving over time. So you say, great. Well, let's go take this to its extreme conclusion, right? Let's go all the way down the slippery slope of the Big Bang. Let's go back before Gravity has had time to pull things together into stars and galaxies before it had these clumps of matter in it when it was just like this uniform cloud of gas. You say, okay, guess what? We look back in time. We look back at greater distances. We see galaxies that are younger and smaller and less evolved and less clumpy. And you can go back before there were any galaxies, and you'll find a time where there weren't any stars and we hadn't yet formed them. And then you can go back even further and say, you know what? I bet you there was a time where it was hot enough, where that wavelength of light was small enough and short enough that you couldn't even form neutral atoms because, bam, as soon as you formed one, one of these Little particles of light would run into it and knock that electron off and ionize it. We see that too. So you say, okay, well, let's go infinitely far back. Let's go back to when everything was just a single point in space where you have an arbitrarily high density and arbitrarily high temperatures. And that is going to lead you to an idea that's been around for a long time called the Big Bang Singularity. Guess what? If the universe had a singular beginning, if the universe had that at the moment of the Big Bang, there should be a slew of observable signatures that we should be able to look for. One is, if we look, say, to the left, and we look to the right, 46 billion light years away, to the limit of what we can see, we should see, oh, if the leftover temperature from the Big Bang is around 3 Kelvin today, and it is, then we should see to the left and to the right they should have slightly different temperatures by somewhere around a few Kelvin from each other. But they're not. Everywhere we look in space, the universe is the same exact temperature. You say, hmm, that's weird. You also say, OK, well, if the universe started off from this super hot, dense, expanding state, um, then... How does the expansion rate change? Well, it can either, if there's too much gravity for the initial expansion rate, then the universe is gonna expand, reach a maximum size, turn around and re-collapse, and bam, big crunch, that's our fate. Or it could go the other way. You could say, oh yeah, it's gonna expand, and gravity will try to pull it back together, but it won't work. Things will just expand, 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 and boom, they'll expand away forever. Or you could play Goldilocks and say, aha, instead of too hot or too cold the porridge is going to be just right i'm going to sleep in the best bed i'm gonna i'm gonna wreck the whole house because everything's just right just for me goldilocks right i know that's what you mean by mythwits this is what we're talking about big right. myths here right. um so what happens right you say okay i'm gonna look at the universe what is it too hot too cold or goldilocks and the answer is not only is it goldilocks meaning this initial expansion rate and the amount of stuff in the universe have to balance, they have to balance to like 50 significant digits, which is to say this is like this is like having a cosmic lottery where you're looking at the entire universe and you want me to pick the winning um you want me to pick like the winning cloud of gas in the universe. And I'm like, geez, man, that's that's a tall order. And you're like, nah, it's fine. It's fine. That's that's what I want you to do. Pick the winning cloud of gas, pick the winning asteroid in the whole universe. Somehow the universe did that. It balanced that perfectly. But the big killer for me is we know we haven't observed everything there is to observe in the universe. And yet, if you come to this arbitrarily high temperature, you should produce all of these leftover high-energy relics that should persist to the present day, and we've looked for them and they're not here. So you take all of these puzzles and you say, well, the Big Bang looks really good, but then there are these questions we can't answer. What should we do about that? And if you're a physicist, you say, well, I'm not just gonna give up and say, oh, must've been born that way, whatever. No, (laughs) you're not gonna do that. You're gonna say, okay, what could have happened to set it up that way? What could have made it be born with those properties or those conditions? And the answer was hit upon in late 1979 by a young, at the time, scientist named Alan Guth who said, you know what? What if the universe were expanding at an exponential rate so that, you know how sequences go, that if I gave you numbers like two, four, six, eight, even Mike would tell me, oh yeah, the next one's 10. I know how this goes. And if I gave you numbers like 2, 4, 8, 16, 32, Mike would say, I know my powers are 2. The next one's 64. It might be a little more challenged, though, if I said, what do I mean by expanding even rapidly, more rapidly than that? And I gave you a pattern that went like 2, 4, 16, 256, 65,536. What I'm doing is I'm squaring the previous number. That's how I'm getting so big so fast because this is an exponential growth. Mm -hmm. What it means is in a tiny fraction of a second, I can take a tiny volume of space that's less than the size of a subatomic particle and expand it to be bigger than the observable universe is today. That's the idea of cosmic inflation. And you say, ah, that sounds nuts. And I'll say, yeah, I know. But when we work through the details and this is, Part of what's in the book you can not only explain why the universe is flat why it's the same temperature everywhere and why there are no leftover high energy relics but you can predict all sorts of new phenomena that are different than what an arbitrarily hot and dense big bang would predict we've got six new predictions that we teased out of this mostly in the 80s and mostly in the 90s and 2000s we made those observations and guess what We've tested four out of the six things that it predicts. All four of them agree with what inflation predicts.
2: Uh, point of order. Uh, are you going on record as saying that you are a flat universer? Is that what I hear you saying? <laughs> yeah, I'm hearing oh, it. Like,
1: oh, man. I hadn't you a even flat considered universer? that possibility. You know, <laughs> it is. It is to within. You know, we can measure how – departure from flat is the universe allowed to be how non-spatially flat can it be and right now we were able to say you know what the universe it might be curved like a sphere or it might be curved negatively which means it's like a saddle where it goes up in one dimension and down in the other. oh yeah
2: what what are those Um, called that 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 shape like a pringle what is that called that's a
1: well it's either a surface of negative curvature or a saddle so i don't know is there is there a fancier name for it you want yeah, to give the, the you like way to, a... Yeah, I'll, I'll find it. I'll find it for you. It's a negatively curved hypersurface. How do you like that? I like that. That is... It's, that is yeah, a, yeah. So, where I put the word hyper in there, it's got to sound scientific so much now. Better, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's blowing it out of the water. Um, <laughs> the thing is, just like if I said, hey, you, Mike, you, Peter, you, listener, go outside. Go measure the curvature of the earth, but confine yourself to your own backyard right? Unlikely you're going to be able to do it. You need to be able to view more of the earth in order to measure the earth's curvature. Well, the part of the universe we can see is so flat that if we wanted to say, okay, well, I'm observing this tiny volume of the universe. If the universe is curved on a scale larger than what I can see, how like, what's the minimum size of the volume of the universe? And the answer is, it's somewhere around ten million times the volume we can currently observe. So, the universe might be curved, but damn, the part we can see sure does look really, really flat.
2: Right. Yeah. It's a hyper hyperbolic paraboloid. That's the shape oh. of a Pringle or a or hyper, a hyper saddle. Basically. There.
1: Yeah, yeah. Why mess around with a non-fancy-sounding word like saddle when you could say a hyperbolic <laughs> paraboloid?
0: I like saddle. Hey, you're welcome. You're welcome. I'm a simple, yeah, I'm a simple guy. Yeah, I like saddle. Education,
2: everybody. <laughs> I learned that in watching a cooking show. Believe it or not, she was she was trying to remake Pringles, and she, she's the one who looked it up. So anyway,
1: <laughs> that's great. That's great. <laughs> I don't even like Pringles all that much. Whatever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So we're eating hyperbolic paraboloids here. I mean, I don't know. I made cookies the other day. They all ran together. My (laughs) wife wound up calling them crispy hexagons. I cooked a big batch of crispy hexagons. Oh, OK. It was
0: was like it was like you could put figures on them. Right. And like have battles with them. So. (laughs) All right. So so we we know. so, So from what you're saying the uh, if, if you're correct sir now what you're saying is that so no big bang but but there was inflation right i mean inflation did happen
1: well that's that's just it right so what you do is you can say well the big bang's a really good description of this early hot dense state but there's a cutoff you can't go all the way back to a singularity like some naive pumpkin head or something you know no 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 there's a cutoff and before you can get back to that singularity. We say, you know, space was expanding at this rapid exponential weight rate. It wasn't full of matter and antimatter and radiation. It was full of energy inherent to space itself. And it's only when inflation came to an end, 13.8 billion years ago, where we live, that ooh, what happens now? All of this energy that was bound up in the fabric of space itself gets converted into matter, antimatter, and radiation. But that means there's a cutoff in the maximum temperature that we reached. And some of the consequences, if you had a universe that didn't get arbitrarily hot but had a cutoff, is you would see when you looked in different directions, you would find, ooh, you know what? The differences in temperature and density that we see in different places, they shouldn't be as big as the average temperature itself, they should be factors of thousands smaller. And that's what we see. We see the densest regions or the least dense regions, they differ by only about one part in 30,000. You say, oh, well, if inflation stretched the universe flat, yeah, I should see a flat universe, but I should also see quantum fluctuations or density fluctuations or temperature fluctuations that are on the scales of being larger than the cosmic horizon and we see that we see those super horizon fluctuations in the cosmic microwave background you should see hey what types of fluctuations do i get you can say okay here's a couple of words for you that i actually do care about um (laughs) you could say you could say okay these fluctuations, they could have the same temperature everywhere. And that would be what we call isothermal for same temperature fluctuations, or they could have the same entropy everywhere. And that's what we call adiabatic fluctuations. Some people call it isentropic, but that fallen out of Uh favor. People use adiabatic. Um, Hmm. And so you say, okay, well, guess what? We can measure what types of fluctuations we have in the universe. What we've been able to say is at least 98.3% of them are adiabatic and probably 0%, but no more than 1.7% are isocurvature. Guess what inflation predicts? 100% adiabatic, 0% isocurvature. So, you know, we have these intricate ways of putting the universe to the test. And where we do test it and it comes back, it says, you know what? This idea of a singularity in the Big Bang, we don't have the observational evidence for it. What we can say is here's what the final fraction of a second of inflation was like. Here's how it ended. Here's how the hot part of the Big Bang after the bang actually looked. We still are trying to figure out what all the early consequences of that are. If you've heard of the multiverse, if you combine inflation with our rules of quantum physics, this is where the idea of a multiverse comes from. If you've heard of the idea of eternal inflation, which is to say, oh, inflation happens and here for us, poof, it ends and here for someone else, poof, it ends. But these two regions have inflating space between them that drives them apart. This is where that idea comes from. So. It's a fascinating universe that's just a part of a larger multiverse based on the fact that we have this new theory that's been around for 40 years. So it's not really that new, but no one knows anything about it because no one's bothered to write the book called, I don't know, a correct history of time. <laughs> All right. So, All right. Yeah. Uh- I I'm
2: uh I am 1% wrapping my head around this but what, what I I'd, I'd like to know is and I am I'm afraid I'm going to get spanked for this because usually you end up yeah, you know getting on me about this when I ask about it where does dark matter fit in, in this new um in this new model
1: no, 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 that's a fine question. That's a fine question. So yes. dark matter is still something that, you know, we are still trying to figure out. We don't know what right. it is. We know that it is, but we don't know what it is. So the ideas, the leading ideas are basically when the universe is hot and dense and full of matter and antimatter and radiation, um, it has to cool. And at some point early on, We had a slight, slight difference between matter and antimatter that led to the creation of more matter and less antimatter, so that when all the equal stuff annihilated away, you had a little bit of leftover matter. Well, we imagine that something like that happened for dark matter, too. Either there were these heavy, unstable particles that decayed, and at some point, it decayed away to something that was stable and that leftover relic is dark matter. That's, uh, that's the thermal freeze-out type of dark matter. It's also possible that the universe cooled and just like we had uh, the symmetry breaking that gave mass to the universe with the Higgs and the electroweak force, there could be a different type of symmetry breaking that gave rise to a different type of particle that also has mass and makes up the dark matter. So, we have lots of candidates for dark matter and they were all created all the candidates are created at some point in the early universe they had to be because when we look at those early baby pictures of the universe from when it's super super young before we formed stars or galaxies we see the evidence for dark matter in there but it's really the question of okay however dark matter was generated it was generated in the aftermath of the big bang Eh?
0: Okay. So it wasn't there during that or before. Okay. All right. No,
1: that's a messed up thing too, because in inflation, if you have things that are expanding exponentially, if they're expanding that quickly, that means anything that existed before the big bang automatically gets pushed away from one another. So we don't have any of that earlier stuff. If there was something before inflation left by time, our universe has the big bang. Are we still
2: saying that the universe is about like 13, 14 billion years though old? Or are we thinking that? Yeah,
1: but but that's since the hot Big Bang plus, you know, 10 to the minus 30 something seconds of inflation. There might have been much, much, much more inflation than that. We only have access in our observable universe because of how quickly inflation can take something and double it and double it and mm-hmm. double it in size. We only have access to that tiny last fraction of a second of inflation. But that means we have no way of knowing what happened before that Did inflation just last a tiny fraction of a second and have a singularity before that? Did inflation exist for a long time and come from some pre-existing state that gave rise to inflation? Or was inflation something that was always happening that was eternal to the past? We don't know. These are questions that are really good questions because not only don't we know, we don't know how to look at what's in our universe to find out the answer. So all we can do now is say, what are the other predictions of inflation and what can we observe to learn more about what inflation was like? How did it occur? How did it end? That's what we're trying to do now. But if you only read and consume popular media, you'll be like, oh, but this scientist says inflation was wrong. And this scientist doubts inflation. And yeah, there are a few of them. There's a famous one at Harvard. There's a famous one at Princeton. And being a doubting Thomas is very fashionable. But the overwhelming consensus of the field is like, no, like this happened. This obviously happened. We We did all the things you want for a scientific theory. We had an old scientific theory. We said, oh, look at all its successes and look at these puzzles it can't explain. And then we said, hey, but we came up with a new theory. It reproduces all these successes. And it explains these unexplained puzzles. And it made these new predictions that we went out and looked for and it turned out to be right. What more do you want? And people are like, I want more. And I'm like, well, you're an idiot. You don't need more. That's the answer. That's (laughs) That's always the answer. Can't even wrap our head around
2: what we don't have what we do have, let alone what we don't have, and need to know more about what we don't have.
0: So, so, uh, so, your book is is about you know how the universe was born. So,
1: what what came before the Big Bang? Then, what 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 was there beforehand? So, so what we can say is there was this inflating state, which is to say, space was really different than what we know today. Um, let me let me try and explain it to you. You you are really used to thinking of the Big Bang as a singularity because you go back and back and back and you're like, okay, perfect. Bam. Right here. This is the start. You can do that if something is expanding and cooling at a particular rate because you'll go back and bam, singularity. So if I said, hey, you remember that sequence? Two, four, six, eight, ten. What's before two? It's zero. Zero is singularity. If I said, hey, you remember... That last sequence I gave you, the one that described inflation, I said the one that goes two and then two squared is four and then four squared is 16 and so on like that. What if I go the other way? What if I take the square root of two? That's root two. What if I take Mm. the square root of that? You'll notice not only will I never get to zero, I'll never even get below one. (laughs) That's why inflation is so interesting to me. That's one of the reasons is because you can't extrapolate back to a singularity, no matter how far back in time you go, things only get asymptotically closer and closer and closer together. And for those of you listening who are like trying to remember what's an asymptote, asymptotes are like your student loans. You make payments and you make payments, but you always still owe. You never get down to a balance of zero. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's a
1: it's like imagine they're
0: approaching zero, right? It's the it's the the arrow that's with right. the zero. It,
1: it'll re, it'll go towards it, but it'll never reach it. Not even in an infinite amount of time. And that's the weird thing about inflation is no matter how far back in the past you go, you'll never reach a singular state. Mathematically, if you want a big a big uh phrase to go with your hyperbolic paraboloid, uh we call this it is a past time-like incomplete space-time. Nice.
0: Nice. So, Ethan, I, time, I have, I have a, all right, no. so I had a thought about this. So Whenever I think about you know like the Big Bang and, and people say well this is when it started, I always have an issue with that. And and this this is I'm not a physicist, so my brain does the you know it tries to make sense of things, and it usually is wrong. But <laughs> my thinking was you know space time is interwoven, and the more space you have in a spot, so gravitational well, you know black hole, whatever, uh, the the more time slows down relative, right? Um, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so, this, is, this is how time works, right? You, you have space time and if you were stationary like you and I roughly are, time passes at one second per second because we're not moving through space. But if you are moving through space or if your space is strongly curved, then time runs differently. Time runs at right. a different rate.
0: So I was thinking that, you know, as you're, as you're taking all of the matter and you're compressing it down, compressing it down into like this one spot, aren't you – are you also doing that with time? like doesn't time become infinitely short but is it but it's all relative so maybe not
1: so this is this is actually an interesting thing because you're sort of asking what i think you're sort of asking is hey what if you know forget about inflation for a minute what if i were a particle in this hot big bang going back and back and back what would i experience mm. as yep. time in this ultra hot ultra dense ultra expanding state And the answer is you would experience a whole lot because if you take all the particles in the universe and you compress them into this tiny, tiny bit of space time, interactions go nuts, right? Things, things are colliding, not at a few times per second or a few billion times a second, but like we're looking at like 10 to the 80 collisions per second between all these different particles. But nothing has mass yet. Everything is massless. So everything is not really experiencing time. That's the weird thing about being massless in the universe. If I said, okay, uh, I understand how time works because I have mass, which means I'm moving through space and time. But what if I don't have mass, right? If I were a photon, my existence would be instantaneous i would find that i was emitted and came into existence at an instant and then because i'm moving at the speed of light all of my motion is through space none of my motion is through time the only thing i register is simultaneous i was created and i was destroyed i was created from an interaction I was destroyed in an interaction. That's my whole life story. photon
0: doesn't get to live at all, has no life whatsoever.
1: (laughs) But you and I are very special for that photon because by (laughs) us observing that light, when we receive it, we can reconstruct its entire history from where it was emitted, what it was like when it was emitted, based on what we know about the physics of the universe and what we saw when we observed it. So. From the photon's point of view, it didn't get to have a point of view. But from our point of view, we can tell you its whole life story about how it moved through the expanding universe, how it was created, and what happened when we observed it at that final critical moment. Wow.
0: You know, Mike, the the photon, it, it gives us everything, Mike. It gives up everything. It experiences nothing itself. It's selfless, the selfless photon. <laughs> yes,
1: and yes. you better think of that the next time you open your eyes and all those photons are coming in for it. You know, I would say like think about all those photons that never existed from their point of view. You're observing of them. That's the only chance they got to live. And what did you spend it on? You spent it watching the Mythwits. You spent oh, it God. watching the Mithwits. Oh my God! These photons. So many wasted Mike, wasting, photons.
2: Yeah, we're wasting photons <laughs> like crazy. Uh, all right.
0: Uh, oh God! All right. I'm I'm just gonna
2: I'm I'm putting my my dirty brain away for a minute, uh, and I'm gonna ask this question: Where, in relation to all this, at, when you start to get down that that um, compressed with? Uh, um, the, the matter and energy and, and the temperatures and everything else where and how close is the, the quantum realm, the quantum, th- I don't want to say quantum realm because that sounds so marvelous, but just quantum theory, where is that? Is it, is it closer? Is it, is there any interwoven parts of of the quantum world or there are just quantum particles interacting at that point with the real world
1: or within that compactness? So so quantum quantum effects play a very important role during inflation, um, which I think is what you're getting at. And if it's not what you're getting at, you could be like, that didn't answer my question at all. When we're oh, no, 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 no. no, no. It doesn't answer matter. Answer. It
2: doesn't matter. That's what I was getting at, because that um, sounds better than me not so, knowing.
1: So no. we most people, they think of quantum fluctuations as, oh, if I look down at space at a small enough scales, I'd see all these uncertain things because everything would be jittering around. Right. right. I would see like, oh, here's a particle and an antiparticle and they pop into existence and they live a really short time and then they annihilate away and pop out of existence. And I know at some level these particles are actually really waves because of this weird dual nature of quantum mechanics that everything's right. both a particle and a wave. And it has, although there are some properties it has that we know exactly, it has a bunch of properties that are inherently uncertain because of Heisenberg uncertainty. And then you say, okay, okay so what happens during inflation and the answer is if you try and visualize a particle antiparticle pair popping into existence space is expanding exponentially so they would normally if the universe weren't expanding they would pop into existence they'd exist for a little bit and they'd annihilate away and they'd go back into the vacuum where they belong but during inflation they pop into existence and because space is expanding and then expanding And expanding, because of this exponential expansion, these particles can't find each other anymore to re-annihilate away. So what happens is these quantum fluctuations that we create, they get stretched to larger and larger scales. They get stretched all across the expanding universe. And every time we have a new quantum fluctuation, it gets stretched but to slightly smaller scales than the previous quantum fluctuation got stretched to. Mm-hmm. So this is why we say, hey, you know what? This is another prediction of inflation. This is actually another two predictions of inflation. One of them is that these quantum fluctuations should produce density fluctuations, where some parts of the universe are more dense or less dense than the average based on the spectrum of fluctuations. And the spectrum of fluctuations should be slightly, slightly bigger on large scales than it is on small scales, because when inflation comes to an end, its energy is a little bit lower. So the smaller scales we see should have a slightly lower fluctuation scale, they should have a slightly lower magnitude than the fluctuations on larger scale. Guess what? We went out and looked for that in the data from the early 2000s from the satellite called WMAP. WMAP said, hey, there's a thing I can measure. It's called the scalar spectral index, which basically characterizes all these early fluctuations in the universe. What are they like? If they were scale invariant, We'd say, oh, that thing we're trying to measure, it should be equal to one. If they're slightly bigger on smaller scales, it should be slightly more than one. If it's slightly bigger on larger scales, it should be slightly less than one. Guess what? We measured it. It looks like that number that we said, oh, it could be one or a little more or a little less, looks like it's 0.97, which is exactly what inflation predicts. You can't predict that crap with the big bang without inflation. No one, no one knows how to predict that. Except inflation predicted it years before we were able to make that measurement it also predicts guess what gravitational waves should do that too there are people looking for that right now if you remember hey wasn't there a big thing about bicep 2 a few years ago where they were like hey we discovered these gravitational waves from inflation and they're huge they're really big they're way bigger than anyone expected and then everyone is like actually You guys uh, didn't account for your dust correctly and you used data that wasn't released and you made a big mistake in doing this and you didn't detect gravitational waves from inflation after all. They didn't detect gravitational waves from inflation after all. But they should be out there. We just don't know how big they are. That depends on the model of inflation. But if they are out there, we should be able to detect them and we know what their spectrum should look like the only thing we don't know is their amplitude. Did I answer your question, Mike? Uh, oh,
2: yeah, yeah. Totes. totes. Hey, uh, I'd like to take this second to ask anyone, anyone in the uh, chat room, please ask a question
0: you know what's funny please that's funny we always get questions We always get questions no No questions
1: no questions with you (laughs) that's real funny man you know what maybe maybe we need to switch topics hey you guys like cosplay you know i'm (laughs) i'm planning i've got my my new uh costume for this halloween planned out peter i know has seen some of my costumes so he knows what i'm all about with that um this year's costume, I'm gonna do a grown-up version of Deku from My Hero Academia. I know you guys, oh, I know you guys know what that is.
0: Actually, I kind of know what it is, but only, only because I'm doing a, I'm gonna be releasing a, a, a trivia kick, a trivia game on Kickstarter for Geek Trivia, and I had to throw some anime in there. And I asked uh, one of my friends about, hey, what are the, what, what are the young folk watching on the anime these days? And uh, she schooled me on some of it, and I was like, okay, there we go. Hey, shout out to Spence, I know. I know Daddy Spence is in the room, so yeah, she she schooled me on a little bit. So yeah, I am familiar, but um, yes, and and Ethan does
1: unbelievably fantastic cosplay. You were, were you
0: W Map one year?
1: I was the James Webb Space Telescope last year. Oh, okay. I had the, big, I oh, I had the nice. big gold mirrors. I had a big five-layer sun shield. That was my favorite thing as I posted the pictures of it. And uh, the James Webb Space Telescope account, like the people who run it, they, they were so excited. They were like, he got all five layers. He got all <laughs> five layers on his costume. <laughs>
0: oh my God, hey, awesome. all right. So real quick, uh, uh, you, you had mentioned Star Trek Discovery. That, that you're a big fan of that, right? I guess I guess you're a big fan. You wanted to talk about it a little bit, so let's talk about it a little bit. I I I have mainlined about I think the first six or seven episodes because you know it's CBS All Access, and I was like, eh. But then when you know, and I wanted to watch it, but then when you said that you had seen it and that you're you know you're into it, I was like, oh, all right, I'll break down. I bought it. Did, uh, did you and I've at watched least a bunch of
1: get through the seventh episode? Because if you start at season one and you get through episode. I would say the first six episodes, I was I've seen, like, I'm, seen I'm good, I've seen all of season good. one. Good. Good. Yeah. Okay. All right. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll hang out there when you get to that time loop episode. Um, that for me is just like the switch that went from like, I'm not sure about this show to I'm sure about this show. Right. Mm, right. That yeah, was... So,
0: so with, with discovery, I was kind of like, some of it was kind of like, I'm like, ah, it's kind of magic. You know what I mean? It's like, I mean, we're, really i mean they're pushing science and they do a lot of really good science on this show uh, some of it was kind of like that's oh, kind of magic talk but then i was like but you know what you know what if it's you know like the i, I forget i i always get this quote wrong so i'm not even gonna try it, but you know the something significantly technologically advanced is non uh, indistinguishable from magic and i'm thinking yeah, you know, arthur star c trek, Clark, right yeah 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 star trek yep. has done a lot of magic like transporters are magic right i mean they're not mm, they're kind of magic right
1: Yeah, I I don't really have a lot of uh, desire to be, you know, taken apart atom by atom, put back together atom by atom, and have any confidence that that thing that you put back together is actually me and not some clone of me that you murdered me and now there's my clone. Um, I don't... I but don't if want it's to get indis- in that.
2: If you're indistinguishable from your clone or your clone is indistinguishable from you and there's only one of you what does it matter? I I mean I could talk about that that yeah, whole, that's a whole philosophy, show. That's a whole show. philosophy but, all day. I love
1: that talk about. Yeah, cuz who, I will say who this. cares what you experience? All your only value is what the rest of the world thinks of you. Who cares about your, you know, inner you know, mind that makes you you, right? Well I, if I you but this. if it wink, if it reassembles wink. you,
0: if it reassembles you hey, with the same Mike. memories, Mike it's a whole show. Let's not it's not even good in We don't have time. We do we don't have time oh, for this discussion. We, we it's, really actually, it's actually it's
2: actually nine forty. I know.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so I just want to say I'm that just... I, I like the I, I like Discovery. I really do. I as a matter of fact, I like it more than I thought I would like. It it may god damn it, it may be my favorite. It might be. If not, it's right up there. Holy shit.
2: Yeah, that's that's something right there coming from Peter. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I like that's, the characters. The writing is good. It's smart. It's it's good. It's a good show.
2: All right. I'll start checking it out. I've been holding off, but uh, I mean, I think it's <laughs> right. and,
1: and, and Ethan, you in? I, I mean, you you digging it. I will say, you know, for everyone, you have to remember that. And we've been through different incarnations of Star Trek. The Star Trek that is on TV now is not the same as the next generation or the original series or whatever star trek was your favorite star trek before discovery and it shouldn't be our ideas of what the future is going to be is very different than what we thought the future was going to be 50 30 25 years ago um and so you have to be willing to say okay look I'm entering a universe that I it has elements that I'm familiar with, but it's also foreign to me. And I have to be willing to accept this new thing for what it is because it's a new set of people, a new set of visions. But if it has that Star Trek spirit of humanity being good to one another, finding commonalities, despite our superficial differences, working together um, for the good of all, like that's, that, for me, is the spirit of Star Trek. If you have a show mm-hmm. that encapsulates those things, then you have a Star Trek show.
0: Yeah, it's good. It's good. As a matter of fact, the, the, in season two, the stuff that happened with uh, Mr. Saru, the, the the guy with the things on the side of his head. Um,
1: oh, the uh, I, gang
0: <laughs> yeah, I really like, you know, I originally I thought, oh, they made this character and he's all magic because he can sense this magical danger field or whatever the hell it was. But they didn't really go down that road. They they took a more relaxed, like that was kind of what was said, but the way they've played it out, it's more he just he just he can pick up on he could just pick up on these very observant of, of of people's fear responses and stuff like it's not as magical. There's, there's still a little bit like sometimes it goes off and I'm kind of like, yeah, I yeah, would have clued him into that. I mean, that's a little magic. But other than that, they've been handling it pretty good. And I like what they've done with it. In season. I've seen what's happened with the, the that portion of him in season two so far.
1: You know, and I won't spoil it for those who haven't. But I, I will encourage people who who see that and 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 maybe feel like you did for a little bit. They're like, ah, I'm skeptical. I don't, I don't know if I would buy that. How did you feel about Counselor Troy and all the yeah. beta zeds? Like, oh, I feel despair coming from the deck, Captain. Like, really yeah. feel despair <laughs> exactly. across across yes. interstellar space. You feel despair, right? Like a
2: thousand, a thousand souls screaming out right. all at once. Now, okay, real quick, game. because but, we actually, we we actually have a question. <laughs> a, we actually have a question from the chat room, Peter. All right, go. All right, uh, Spence wants to ask. Uh, Big Daddy Spence wants to ask rather. Uh, what is the current interpretation about the space-time waves being observed on the astrophysics theory concerning post-pre
0: Big Bang? Uh, Post slash pre Big Bang. That's a big yeah. question.
1: Uh, so basically when we say post-Big Bang, we're asking, okay, we have these signatures now that are in our observable universe. Where did they come from? So what inflation offers is saying, okay, let's not go back to a singularity. Let's go back to this cutoff where we have this inflationary phase. How does the inflationary phase generate these seeds, these quantum fluctuations that will imprint themselves on the universe, then when inflation comes to an end, I think about this like, oh, I've got a ball and I'm rolling on top of this hill and there's a big cutoff to the hill like it's a plateau and the ball's rolling slowly and we're inflating, we're inflating and boom, we roll down into the valley. And when we roll down into the valley, we go back and forth. That's all the energy from inflation getting converted into particles, into matter and antimatter and radiation. That's something we call cosmic reheating. We say, okay, the universe, when it didn't have any matter in it, it was cold because it was empty. All that energy was in space. It didn't have a temperature. It just had an amount of energy in space. Then inflation ends. That energy gets dumped into particles. So it reheats. It comes back up to this high temperature, but not arbitrarily high, not arbitrarily hot so we can say okay how hot do we see the universe get what are the maximum properties we can do and what can we learn about the inflationary state based on that reconstruction there are all sorts of people who who work on exactly that question this is this is an important field of scientific inquiry that I don't want to gloss over with a two-second answer. So the two-second answer you get is, oh, that's a good question. So we talk about the fluctuations generated during inflation, which is before the Big Bang. We talk about reheating, which is the transition from the inflationary phase for us to the hot Big Bang. And then we have all the imprints on our universe post-Big Bang okay all right
0: cool hey uh, i gotta i gotta move along quick so astro astro tours astro tours um real quick come upcoming trip to chile in chile in november uh just like one minute what is what is astro tours
1: uh so astro tours is uh it's a company that's trying to merge astronomy night skies fantastic astronomical adventures with tourism saying like hey you like science? You like awesome scientists and science storytellers? And you like going to some of the best places for the best skies on Earth? Uh, I took a trip this past January to Iceland, and I led my first astro tour there, and it was really cool. We went Northern Lights hunting, we got to see a total lunar eclipse, and we got to we got to experience some good times together at, amidst the gorgeous like geological wonders of Iceland. So nice. it was a great time. Unfortunately for me and for anyone who is interested in going to Chile, uh, we needed a certain number of signups by a certain date and it didn't happen. So oh. that trip, that trip kabosh. Thanks for thanks for offering me the plug. But I will say Astro Tours is alive and well. They have a lot of trips coming up. I'm just not on any of the ones that are currently on the schedule. Oh, okay. But mm. I do encourage you, if you're interested in combining astronomy and tourism with luxury travel, uh, That is the place to go.
0: Okay. All right. All right. Very good. Uh, man, it, it sounds awesome. So everybody go to, uh, we're going to play a game, but go to uh, forbes.com forward slash sites forward slash starts with a bang. Also check out Ethan on SoundCloud. He has his own podcast and you should check it out. Um, if, you, if you like this, you're going to love that because you don't have us idiots talking. You just have Ethan. Uh, and that is at soundcloud.com forward slash Ethan dash Siegel dash 172073460. It's in our notes. It's in our show notes.
1: Um, and use Google. Google use is your Google. friend. We're in the just, just iTunes Store too. Yeah. Starts with a Bang podcast. Right, right, and on Patreon. Starts with a Bang. Yeah. All
0: right, let's do this. Uh, here we, here we go. All right, everybody, it is game time with the Mythwits. I'll be your game master, and this week we are playing a Star Trek themed Jeopardy wow. <laughs> the game. Oh, I'm like it's.
1: At poor Mike. <laughs> game, I can see Mike's eyes rolling around in his head.
0: <laughs> the game uh, where let we... me
1: tell you, is this the new Star Trek uh, trivia no. show? Oh, no. Okay, no.
0: Well, uh, some. Some of it. All right, so the game where we mash up our favorite games into one. Four favorite games into one. There are four categories to choose from, each being one of our other games. In each category, there are four questions that increase in difficulty and value difficulty is arbitrary and the game master is the arbiteur so in other words i said that this was more difficult than the other one and that's my it's a final word uh on their turn the contestant will choose a category and the game master will give the next question in line if they get the answer right they get the points for that question and we get to go again so words you get it right you get to keep going until you get one wrong if they get it wrong we move on to the next ca- contestant who will choose another care another category all right so what i'm going to do I am going to uh, share the game board with the with the folks at home. Share the scores. I gotta put that. Sorry. Whoops. Sorry, folks. All right. There's the scores. Uh, oh, why is it so weird? Oh my god. Okay. Well, the scores are off. I don't know. They were fine a few minutes ago. So uh, anyway, um, we well, use
1: my fingers.
0: What the hell? No. Well, they're there. They're just they're cut off for it's- some odd reason. Okay. Uh, what are we gonna do? We're not gonna we're not gonna fix it. We're just gonna watch. We're just gonna play the game. All right. So, um, let me share my screen with you guys so that you can see. Uh, this is just for Ethan and Mike, so you can see. All oh, right. So, yeah. yeah, there you go. Our categories are cheesies or species, where you will tell me whether this is a cheese or a Star Trek species. Uh, who dat? You got to name the uh, Star Trek actor. I'm gonna give you the character. You got to tell me the actor uh soundbite madness and these are all sounds from star trek the original series uh or bet the geek which is just straight up star trek trivia so i'm mike to give you a chance i'm gonna let you go first uh i want you gotta pick the one it starts at one and you gotta work your way down Uh,
2: okay uh i'll take soundbite madness for uh one all right soundbite
0: madness for one all right Mike. here you go ready
2: Mm mm-hmm So I'm, I'm just supposed to tell you what that was.
0: What was that sound? Captain Kirk having a bow.
2: No, I'm just kidding. It was it, it was a, uh, uh, you know, what we were just talking about with the, uh, the, the beaming, a beamer, beams, beam, beaming, beaming,
0: <laughs> transporter. Oh, you got, there you go. Whew. Sorry. Good Hello, job, Mike. Hey, Mike. <laughs> yes. All right. There you Good go. Way. All right. Sound bites for two. Yes. Sound bites for two. All right. Number two. Red alert! All right, that is correct. Don't worry, Ethan. You'll
2: get the. No, take I'm over cheering
1: him. for him. Good You'll
2: job, t- Mike. Uh, let me, Leah. This is like the guy who gets two in his pocket before he misses the next ball, and then you run the table. So, all right, so uh, Mike. All right. Uh, let's see. Um, uh, you know what, man? Let me just get three points uh, on the next. Let me get the uh, sound bites. All right. Ready yeah communicator
0: that is correct good job Mike you're doing well you're doing well all right um i'm I'm not gonna fall into your four point trap so uh i'm gonna go ho at for one I can't get rid of the all right so it broke all right so hoot at for one uh okay Haykuru Sulu. Oh, like
2: who's the real actor? Yeah. Right. Oh, see his face. It's a uh, hello there. Uh, 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 God darn it! Give me one sec. Give me one second. Um, hands are here. I'm not looking anywhere. It's um, uh, George uh, Takai. Woo! Good job. All down. right.
0: Oh. Okay. My I'm thing is not... broke. Why my thing broke? I don't know. Damn it! It's too much tech. <laughs> all right, Mike. I'm just gonna have to remind you all. All right, yes, you got that one correct. I'm just gonna have to. Yes. God damn it! This sucks. I hate when this stuff happens. All right. So we got those Do out. I, should I try and keep a score? No, I got it. No, it's not the score. Okay. I got all, it. I got all it. right. All okay. right. So Mike, what, what's next? Who uh, dat oh, for two? Soundbite madness for four. Man. I just
2: feel. I feel it. I feel like there's a there's a name. I sh- uh, okay. I'm gonna go with who dat for two.
0: Who'd that for two? Captain Archer. Oh, Archer. Oh, um. Jonathan Archer.
2: Damn it. I always forget his name. That's the, uh. I cannot remember his. I always, oh. Yeah, Quantum Leap and all that good stuff. Um. Shit, shit,
1: shit.
2: Yeah. I, 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 i let me, in the interest of time i got i got nothing incorrect
0: all right mike that was well that was uh, correct i have nothing <laughs> that was scott bacula all right ethan you're up oh ethan, so, you so or species.
1: Good. you know let's do it let's see what's under cheesies or species <laughs> okay
0: first one borson the Bors- borson Is it the borson that uh Smash me in the head with a rock on that planet with the singing flowers. Or was the borson a tasty uh, thing that I put on my cheese? I mean, on my my cracker.
1: I think think I'm going to go with the cheese over here. Hmm.
0: That is correct, Ethan.
1: Oh, I do love a delicious cheese. All
0: right. Cheesies are species for two. Who dat for three. Sound bite for four. Or bet the geek for one.
1: Let's do uh, Cheesies of Species number two. It worked out so good. Okay. Bolian. Ooh. Bolian sounds like a species. We're going to go with species here. That
0: is correct. The Bolians uh, are a humanoid with blue skin and small ridge running up from the back of their heads to their noses. All right. Um uh, what would you like? Cheese Species? Let's, Houdette, let's go for number three. Why wouldn't we keep with the cheesies? Okay. All right. Kassari. Caseri Kassari.
1: Okay. This is one I don't recognize. Uh, so we're going to have to guess, which is music to you, Mike. Let's say Caseri is a species.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, and it's a traditional Greek and Turkish cheese.
2: It's a good cheese too. Really tasty.
0: Ah. Mike, yes. All right.
2: Um, eh, I don't want that daggone uh, cheese. That's always a that's always a fifty fifty. What do (laughs) we have? Always a 50
0: /50. All right. So you have who for three? Soundbite madness for four? Or bet the geek to one. Bet the geek for one. Bet the geek for one. All right. What no-win scenario is a training exercise used in Starfleet? Kobayashi Maru. Damn! Look at you.
2: You know, I, I am.
0: I am a Star Trek fan. You, no, do I mean, you realize name, that? Don't no, no, you? you didn't. You didn't have to do the. Oh, it's that thing with the. All right, anyway, all right. So, oh. Mike. Was, oh,
2: now yeah, that's oh, okay. That's what I
0: meant. Was you nailed it? You said, fair, bam! Like no thinking. You just did it.
2: Yeah, that's fair. That wasn't okay. buried in my subconscious somewhere let's do bet the geek for two
0: bet the geek for two okay approximately every seven years vulcan males and females who are bonded to each other experience an overpowering mating drive known as
2: ponfar
0: god damn look at you i i just started watching um i just started watching what is that
2: show the um the The parody show that uh, oh, uh, Orville, it, uh, the, the Orville, and the, the first episode so was it first or second with them going to watch him pee. That was hysterical. Right. All right, <laughs> anyway, Mike, all right, uh, let's go. Keep- you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna do uh, soundbite madness for 4 I'm, now now I'm getting okay. cocky, but let's all do right.
0: it. All right, okay. Don't get penis-y on me, Mike. <laughs> OK, ready. Here we go.
2: Oh dear. Now you want to know which ship that came from, don't you?
0: Nope. I just want to know what nope. it is.
2: Oh, that's a uh see now you're not gonna get me because that was not a phaser blast. That is a tor a photon torpedo.
0: God damn, my good job.
2: Good I thought job. maybe like see now I'm sitting there going, Oh my god, is that a uh is that a, a photon torpedo from a uh
0: Cardassian or from a uh no no that would be no. too hard. That would be ridiculous. That would be like class five. All right, Mike, uh, bet the yes. geek, who dat or cheesy's a species? Uh let's do uh
2: cheesier species. All
0: right. Ocampa. Ocampa. Did, Ocampa. Ocampa. Did the Ocampa come for the accord? To discuss a peace treaty between the Vulcans and the Klingons, or did the Ocampa sit well in a nice ham sandwich?
2: I'm gonna say that they came for a peace treaty,
0: they but came for peace treaty. Uh, yeah. Sorry, Mike. Ooh. Ocampa. Oh wait a minute. Oh no, they did. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You out. are right. You are right. I thought, yeah. Right. My bad. My bad. My bad. All right, Mike, you get to go again. Oh shit! All right, let me do who dat. Who that? All right. Is this Deanna three or four? Three? This is three. Deanna Troy. I'm supposed to know her real name. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You're supposed uh, to know her real
2: name. Brent Spiner. To... Brent Spiner. That's my final answer. <sighs>
1: nice. Maybe so you should like... know. All Come right. on. <laughs> okay. Ethan knows this Ooh. one. Ooh, yeah, crazy. you think? Are you looking yeah. at my screen here? I oh, am, look at that. Yeah, yeah, there is she is. Nice. Yes. Yeah, that's oh, Marina yes. Sirtis
0: yeah she's, she's a good looking yeah. girl all right you're still ethan your go you could pull this all right, out
1: finish me out with who dat who dat? benjamin cisco oh man that guy is super good um man this is where this is where the brain blank comes in and it's like why why can i not remember the actor's name because he's so good yeah, he played Benson,
2: right? No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Oh, no, 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 stop no. Don't Robert me. That's terrible.
0: Stop it.
1: Stop it. stop it. Stop it. Oh, man. Yeah, oh, I'm God. drawing a blank. I'm going to have to pass oh, no. on that one. Oh, no.
0: That was Avery Brooks.
1: It is, it is. Avery that was, Brooks.
0: That was why oh, I was no. a four-pointer because everybody recognizes him. Everybody knows him. But to remember mm-hmm. his name, it's like, oh, what was his name? All right, Mike, all that's left is Bet the Geek. All right, let's do it. What's the score? Oh. uh score is 16 to 6. I think you got this one in the bag, oh, Mike, but we're going to go ahead. I, out, I, I, I am surprised. All right, what is the name of the Klingon homeworld? Oh, shit. <laughs> it's not
2: shit. <sighs> <laughs> oh, I don't know, uh, because it was destroyed in that movie, but I forgot what the name is. Oh, no, no, that's the – um, you no, know, in that movie, that was the – Romulan homeworld, never mind. Uh ah, shit. Uh uh
0: Uranus <laughs> No. If only.
1: Kronos Kronos.
0: Kronos. Kronos. Kronos Kronos. All right. Uh Ethan, your Let's chance to get to the game. last set Let's of points Let's see today.
1: if I can at least make a game out of it.
0: Yes. All right. Here we go. A last question, and then we'll let Ethan, we'll cut Ethan loose. And we'll be almost on time. All right. What is the name of Starfleet's black ops division that operates separately from Starfleet intelligence?
1: Oh, thank God! A one I know. Section Thirty One. That is.
0: Yes, that is correct. Ooh. All right, uh, Ethan, you did you did pretty good. Mike, I'm Mike. I'm shocked. I really am. I'm sorry that I sh- I probably shouldn't be shocked, but I am. Mike. You get, you get that. But since Ethan's got to go, I'm going to cut you short on it. Uh, <laughs> so, Good job,
2: everyone.
0: <laughs> all right. Well,
2: well, thank you. I, I'm surprised that you
0: didn't know that I was, uh, you know, I'm a pretty decent uh, star, star Trekian. Yeah. You're more of a Star Trekian than I realized. Yeah. All right. Real quick. we got to stay on schedule. Uh, let me do, blah, 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 blah. turn these scores off. Uh, oh, wait a minute. No. Wrong button. No. <that-> wrong button god damn it i'm hitting everything wrong i'm hitting everything wrong
2: <laughs> that's what she said
0: oh this whole thing is screwed up mike i gotta work on this i i, I did some editing and uh yeah <laughs> all right Peter. terry said terry said clingonia <laughs> Klingonia. all right so let's let's just uh everybody uh make sure you go and you check out uh Eat, all of Ethan's stuff. I said the links before, but i say them again. Forbes uh, starts with a bang. SoundCloud, Ethan Siegel, uh, uh, Patreon starts with a bang. Starts with a bang everywhere. It, it, t- probably your Twitter and all that,
1: right? It sure is. It okay. sure is. That's the best way to find me. And Ethan, thank thanks for, you for having to- me here on yeah. Mythwits. It's been my pleasure. Oh, Absolutely. We love
2: we having you here. You're always you're always good for a good mind uh, bend, uh, yes. trying to wrap our heads around this
1: flat universe. I I Although I and pay attention Wednesday morning because the first ever image of a black holes event horizon is coming out. You don't want oh, to miss it. What? Nice. All right. Nice. Event cool. horizon telescopes, big reveal Wednesday morning. Be there. And, All right. And we're
0: going to, we're absolutely going to, uh, well, shit when your book comes out, when your when your next book comes out, make sure you let us know and we will definitely push it as hard as we can.
1: Sounds so, fantastic. Look for it in early 2020.
0: Excellent. All right, here we go. All right, everybody, you've just done another awesome episode of the Mythwits. If you don't have time for videos, make sure to subscribe via our podcast uh, on your favorite podcatcher. Do the like, follow, subscribe thing wherever it's appropriate, and make sure to share your favorite episode on social media to help spread Mythwits' love over the entire planet, or the universe in this case, you know, big, expanding, ever-expanding, inflating universe, just like Mike's, uh, oh, another You, uh, do you no, like, scri- <laughs> like follow crime? Do you like crime? it's appropriate to sh- uh, blah, blah, blah. Sorry, I think I read that already, didn't I? Yes, I did. All right, tweet us at Mythwits and check out Mythwits.com. Mythwits is produced by Aetherforge Forge Creations as part of the TSR Podcast Network. Check out TSRPN.com and Aetherforge.com for more cool stuff. Man, Ethan had to go. I'm so, uh, it's a shame because I, uh, I got this little bit that's coming up. Mythwits is a Creative Commons product. Like and share it in all the places. Just don't edit it. Don't sell it. And Mike, don't trade it for Tribbles. You'll just have to trust me on that one. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening. Tell your friends to tune in. Congratulations, Mike. And until next week, Mike.
2: Hyperbolic paraboloid. Nice. Hello, and welcome to the Mythwits 2019 Summer Movie Draft Minute. I'm your host, Michael Kafis of the Mythwits. Here are your standings as of Monday, April the 8th, 2019. Peter Bryant and Violet Lavois are tied for fourth place with zero dollars waiting for their first movie and in third place it's the director of doom a kovacs with pet cemetery bringing in 25 million dollars in second place it is yours truly wondering how the hell shazam only brought in 57 million dollars on its opening weekend and in first place with a respectable 76 million dollars it's the dark overlord himself scott sigler This has been your 2019 Movie Draft Minute for the week of April the 8th through the 12th, powered by Aetherforge Creations.